Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Greg from C3 Solutions, and we talked all about their mindset around customer experience, but also their platform in yard management and dock scheduling. They really made me think a lot differently about why those platforms are so important for so many supply chain professionals in the industry. Well, I hope that you joined us for that episode and I hope that you enjoyed it. But if you missed it, it's okay. You can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast or any other platform where you subscribe to the show. And it was episode 226. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Throughput.ai puts industrial material flow on autopilot by leveraging existing enterprise data. Throughput's AI software predicts demand, reorients production capacity, reassigns warehouse space, and reorders materials optimally more than five times faster than leading contemporary solutions. So businesses minimize overpromising and underdelivering. Sign up for a free demo to see Throughput in action. Visit throughput.ai. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. We've got so many amazing things happening here at Let's Talk Supply Chain, including our live shows. Have you checked out Log Tech Live with Eric Johnson? He has some amazing guests, plus he goes through all the buzzwords, and that happens the first Friday of every month. Every week, I do Thoughts and Coffee, which is Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern. We've got Coming in Hot with Abby Baird, plus we've got a show about sustainability and blockchain with Topple. And so hopefully you are checking all of those out. Today, I am excited to welcome an innovator, business leader, tech strategist, and inventor to our Woman in Supply Chain series. Any idea who it is? Well, I'll let you know after the question of the week. So the question of the week was, who inspired you to pursue the career that you have today? Jonathan, who's our host of Let's Talk Supply Chain Asia Pack, said me. Well, thank you very much, Jonathan. <laughs> Tony said, what a great question. I have a lot of supportive people in my life and a God who is truly great. The person who inspired me the most and pursue my dreams is my wife, Trinity. Ooh, I love that. Kimberly says, my dad, he is a self-made man with passion, values, and a strong work ethic. He inspired me not only to believe that I could start a successful company, but to never lose sight of my vision. Bob says myself. I love that. I mean, you need to be self-motivated. Shimon, I think it was my surroundings and my sense of curiosity. I love that too. Eric says partners in health inspired me to follow the path of a logistician. And that is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And Missa says my friend. Well, we appreciate all of you who weighed in on our question of the week. We either ask a question or we have a poll that runs every single Wednesday morning over on our Let's Talk Supply Chain social media. So go and check that out. 
Now back to today's podcast and the truly innovative woman in supply chain I have with me today is Donna Wilczek. Donna is a SaaS technology executive who over the course of her 20-year career has worked at major names like IBM and Accenture, as well as currently serving as the Senior Vice President of Product Strategy and Innovation at Coupa Software and on the board of Optimizely, a digital experience platform. Donna is also an inventor and technology innovator. Today, Donna will be talking to us about her career so far, her passion for tech, her innovative spirit and talent for invention, and she'll be sharing her experiences as a woman in the industry and her words of advice for all of the women following in her footsteps. We could not do this episode without the sponsor of our Woman in Supply Chain series. Apex Logistics are proud to sponsor Let's Talk Supply Chain's Woman in Supply Chain podcast and blog series. Our leadership team actively works to empower an industry as diverse as our workforce with a focus on inclusion, and we're passionate about promoting the voices of women leaders to drive visibility around their achievements. So welcome to the show, Donna. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's awesome to be here. I am super excited to have you here because, you know, it's not often you see a senior VP at a public company and inventor next to each other on a LinkedIn profile. So I absolutely cannot wait to find out all about you because I'm just so intrigued. And so let's just dive right in. I love starting these interviews by taking it back to the beginning. I think it was Maya Angelou that said, you can't really know where you are going until you know where you have been. And that kind of really sums it up, right? So give us insight into your journey. Did you always want to be in tech? Uh, Always wanting to be in tech. Well, when I was a little girl, I think tech was a very different thing (laughs) than it is today, for sure. Um, I think I was always inquisitive. And I was always um, just wanting to pursue um, process improvements and changing things and making it better and better and better. Uh, When I was about 13 or so, I actually worked um, at a tea factory on a line bagging tea. Um, I'm sure it broke a whole bunch of labor laws and everything. Um, But that's what I did in my summers. And I was constantly, again, obsessed with working these machines, but making it faster every single time, making it more efficient, making it um, wherever I was moving boxes to, making sure they were in the exact right position. So I was always looking at at changing um, a process for continuous improvement. Awesome. I love that. And that's kind of, you know, being in supply chain, right? It's always Mm -hmm. all about continuous improvement and problem solving. And so I know we just talked about tech, but also in supply chain. That's why I think supply chain and tech kind of go hand in hand. Um, And so you worked at Accenture and at IBM, um, I think in the 90s, and you were working for IT mega brands at a time of like huge developments in the industry. So what was it like at that time and how have things changed? Yeah, it's really interesting. I was able to join uh, the field at a really interesting uh, time of change. When I left um, college, I was given a choice. Would I like to work on this mainframe, these OS 390 mainframes, or do I want to work on PeopleSoft? And 
for me, I'm like, obviously the new thing. I want to work on the new thing. I want to try to figure it out and try to understand where it goes. So I was able to take a journey with Accenture, um, which was Anderson Consulting at the time, um, with a uh, PeopleSoft Solution Center, where Accenture would be um, owning the technology and maintaining it for these customers, a very different type of world, a new, a new world. But I love this whole notion that we would be creating a new frontier and trying to figure it out. Absolutely. And so from the time that you were there until now, how have things changed? Like, I'm sure that they've changed a lot. Oh, dramatically. Absolutely. Even um, so I've been at Coupa about 10 years now when I joined Coupa, um, the company had started in a model of multi-tenant SaaS, uh, fully 100% cloud. And even 10 years ago when I joined, that was a very difficult conversation with IT organizations just 10 years ago that, you know, you would sit down with the CIO and the CIO would say, mm, you know, I'm not sure about this cloud thing yet. Right. And I mean, that's only 10 years. It's only been 10 years. Um, so it's very interesting to now take a look back and say, well, you can't even imagine that conversation, right? But mm-hmm. again, just 10 years ago, people were saying, um, should we go cloud? Should this be a multi-tenant solution? And now it's it's kind of a de facto. Well, I think, even ten, I think even 10 years ago, companies were like, do we really need a website? Because I don't know if we really need a website. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You can just look back and look at all the changes. And I remember just looking at Coupa and we would say no to customers. We would just say no all the time because they didn't understand our model. But we knew right. our model and we knew where we wanted to, to go and lead our industry. Yeah, so, so interesting. And now, you know, look at us now with VR and AR and shopping that way and then robotics in the warehouse. And we're just talking all sorts of different technology right now that's coming into supply Mm -hmm. chain and everybody is just trying to get their feet wet with all of it. And so you mentioned that you're at Coupa and we had Matt on the show a little while ago and it was pretty incredible to learn about some of the things that Coupa is doing on the supply chain side. So talk to us about being the senior vice president of product strategy and innovation. I mean, that must be such an exciting role. It's fun. I'll tell you, every single day um, is different and unique. And the opportunity to work with our customers around the world, with my colleagues at Coupa, with our partners, and really ideate and say to ourselves, um, what, what's the problem? we're trying yeah. to solve for and really set aside how things have worked in the past mm-hmm. in lieu of how would it work if we were able to do anything, if we were able to go to a whiteboard and just magically, you know, wave a wand and have it all done, what would it look like? And that I think is the most um, thrilling part of, of my role is having these types of conversations with our customers around the globe and saying to ourselves, we're not limited by anything. other than our creativity and our imagination. And if we were able to say to ourselves, how should it work and and live in that world, we're going to keep creating some amazing things. And in the supply chain space in particular, being able to do things like optimize for a network for issues like carbon footprint reduction, Mm -hmm. and then going from an optimization from a theoretical exercise of what it could be into an execution of how will it get done? 
has just been fascinating all along and, and trying to pull together the supply chain and sourcing teams and the procurement teams and, and bringing them all together on the same journey supported by technology has been fascinating. Yeah. And just, I mean, I just get goosebumps thinking about how you're talking in theory and then seeing something actually happening in real time, in real life. I mean, that's got to be amazing. And you you touched on sustainability a little bit, but I also know that Coupa is very much about diversity and inclusion. I know that they have supported women in procurement and women in supply chain um, for a number of different, uh, a number of years. What does a diverse perspective bring to those kind of conversations and what you're doing in product? So I think diversity and diversity of, of voice and thought yeah. is really important. Uh, we have this saying at Coupa, it's a core philosophy, none of us is as smart as all of us. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I absolutely, I love it. And I live by it all the time. And it's so true. It's it's the fact that if we could put all of our brains together, we'll create something very different. And the more diverse voices we can put together, the more improved that product will be. And our product organization is certainly very diverse. And we always look for um, bringing in different voices into the conversation. Uh, whether that's a male voice, a female voice, a different region, a different age. Um, diversity has a, a whole number of um, facets that we, we try to bring in. Absolutely. Oh, I love that saying. I'm just, I'm going to be cute. That's like in my brain now. And so you mentioned that you've been at Coupa mm -hmm. for over t 10 years. Um, and I know I said it in your bio that you've been part of helping them to scale and go public. Is that like a constant challenge and growth that you love? Because, you know, that, I mean, product is one thing, but helping to also scale and go, pro go public is a complete other. Yeah, it is. Um, it's this notion, get comfortable with being uncomfortable is, you know, because it's constantly changing. Everything is going to change. And if you're not comfortable with that, this may not be the environment for you. Uh, but for myself, it's something I, I enjoy. I thrive and I thrive um, looking at problems and saying, okay, here's the problem of the day, but what will that problem be like two years from now or four years from now? And how do we get ready and how do we prepare for it? Uh, so we've just celebrated our five-year anniversary of our IPO. I joined the company when we had about 30 employees where you know deal sizes were a couple thousand dollars and, and now it's just radically different. And every year is a very different company at the end of that year. And it's been fascinating. I sometimes speak to customers that have been with us on the journey and we'll sit down and say, it was very different 10 years ago, yeah. but it was very different two years ago, <laughs> just right. sitting two years ago from where we are today. You can see the major changes. And this week we've been doing, and last week we've been doing our product walkthroughs. Yeah, and it's cool. so evident in these product walkthroughs to see just how high the bar has has risen in terms of the quality of all the team and and the output of everyone. It's it's awesome. cool to take a look. Well, we have a lot of people in the audience that are from the tech community, whether it's, you know, female or male. What advice would you give to somebody that's working for, you know, a tech company that is scaling quite quickly and, you know, or maybe going 
being ready to go public. You know, what advice would you give to somebody that's kind of going through that right now? Sure. Again, I think one broad message is just be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Recognize that a lot of the people around you are probably feeling the exact same way, right? Especially if you're going into an IPO process. There's, you know, when we were going through that process, only a, a handful of us had gone, had a previous IPO. So the majority of the people that you're surrounded by are also going through these processes for the first time and learning through them. So just saying to yourself, you're not expected to know everything. What you're expected to do is really try to absorb as much as possible and try to look at everything as a learning opportunity. And if you're going to fail on something, fail fast, learn from it and and move on, right? Oh my goodness. That's such great advice. I mean, that's for anybody, but also for entrepreneurship. If you are going into entrepreneurship, that's good advice for that too. (laughs) Definitely. Um, So in the summer, you became a board member at Optimizely. Do you want to tell us about that organization and what they do? Because when I looked into them, I was really kind of excited about what I was seeing. Oh, yeah. Optimizely is fantastic. So Optimizely is a recognition that the customer experience is now a digital experience. And right, everyone's experience is digital now. Mm -hmm. And so what Optimizely has done is, is is they sit squarely at the notion of bringing content together with being able to make smart decisions and experiment with that content with the consumer at the other end. What companies had done wrong for so many years is they would make assumptions about what that consumer would want to see. And Optimizely gave them a platform to, to trial things out, have an experimentation layer to determine what is the best content for this user. Hmm. And bringing together the content and the experimentation layer is a, is a really unique offering in the market. And yeah. the entire team is phenomenal there. Oh, I love that. Congratulations on it. I mean, we like to talk about trends on the show and looking at some of Optimizely's insights. I think they're helping to give us a real heads up on kind of the next big trends. They're talking about embracing customers in a context that evolves, about responsive experimentation, personalization. And there's some like really exciting things to consider and they could have the power to really transform our digitization strategies. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And they do that already for over 9,000 brands around the world, helping them really shape what is that, um, what is that experience like for their consumer, that personalized experience for every single person that comes into that front door tailored just for that individual. And I, I think that's what I just love so much about that is that the consumer um, experience is now a digital experience and made shaping that and being able to create something special for that individual person is, is something very special and a I mean, great opportunity that Optimizely has here. Yeah. And that's what consumers are looking for. But talk to me about the board position. So sure. a lot of, you know, women in the industry or even men in the industry want to get involved on boards. They want to get involved with, you know, um, different startups. And so can you talk to us a little bit about how that came to be for you? I know you can't divulge like maybe too much, but just talk talk to mm-hmm. us about how that came to be. Did you 
put yourself out there? Did they come to you? And what does that kind of look like? Like, do you put expectations out there as to what your bandwidth might be? Or, or tell us a little bit about that. You hit the nail on the head. The very <laughs> first thing I did was really saying to myself, okay, am I at a place where I will have enough bandwidth to take yep. this on? And when you're working with a company like Hoopa, where the company is growing 40% year on year, IPO, scaling, all of these aspects, you really don't have a spare minute. So I set aside by design any notion of pursuing a board seat until about maybe a year ago or so, where I said to myself, okay, now I'm in a place where I have enough um, capacity to be able to take on a position like this, to be able to help an organization at a different stage and, and share my insights. And so what I started to do is I started to just make sure my immediate network was aware, kind of all okay. the people that I had worked with in the past, mentoring them, uh, or they were mentoring me and those types of conversations or leaders in other spaces, just making sure I was putting myself out there and making sure people were aware. Um, one of the conversations I had been having at that time was with the CEO of Optimizely, Al Alex Atzberger. Alex had reached out to me. He was um, looking for a new independent board member, a first seat independent board member for Optimizely. Okay. And we had worked together um, at competing companies for many okay. years, <laughs> but we still had a you know really great relationship based on uh, respect. And so... We pursued the conversations and it seemed to be a good fit. And here I am. Awesome. No, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that journey. And what, just one more question around that, what kind of capacity or bandwidth do you really need to have for a board seat? Depends on how much you want to put out there, right? Okay. So some boards I've seen from friends that are in different boards will have very limited um, you know, on a quarterly basis, maybe reviewing materials and then sitting through. Um, my model is a little bit more hands-on than that. And with okay. Optimizely, we meet more regularly. We'll, the CEO and myself or other people will meet on specific topics. Um, I might review materials, uh, different playbooks or frameworks and share perspectives. Here's what we, we had done previously. Here's what I've seen as worked at other companies or with other colleagues of mine. Um, I'm a connector, so I'm happy to connect people as well. Uh, awesome. So it varies. It really does vary. Obviously, quarterly, there's uh, quarterly materials that you're reviewing, but mm -hmm. I try to be more hands-on. Yeah, I know for me, mine is more quarterly because um, I'm on the board of a non-for-profit. And then I also need to be on a subcommittee as well. So there's mm -hmm. some monthly tasks that need to be done. There's also quarterly meetings with very lengthy <laughs> board documents. <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah, it really depends on, I think, you know, who, uh, what board you're on and, and how, what that looks like. And so in your LinkedIn bio, you mentioned that you're an inventor and you've been awarded 12 software patents. And I just wanted to touch on that. Mm. I mean, you don't often see a corporate leader who's also actually innovating and inventing themselves. So is it important to you to continue to stimulate your creative side and have that balance? And what do the patents mean to you? 
Sure. I think it is important to me as a person. Um, I am very much um, a person that thrives based on innovation and thinking about problem statements and trying to think about how to um, improve these problem statements, whatever they may be. So the patents themselves from my history really mean to me that I was able to take something, look at it differently, and then do something special with it. As I've gone into more and more leadership, you know, my role is more supporting my team and everyone around me. And I know a lot of people that will listen from a Cuba perspective, they've heard me say over and over, is that something that you feel is patentable? Mm-hmm. Think about it from a perspective of, can you go and take that idea and work with our patent team and, and go patent it for yourself? Anything I can do to help my team members or anyone at Coupa kind of lift, if I could lift them up into an experience where they're also getting their own patents and getting their work um, protected, I think is really important to me. What I have seen it, you know, through the years, through other companies is, you know, friends that have worked on different projects and then all of a sudden, you know, another company hears about it or something and they build it faster. So I just want to make sure that if if I know of someone that is doing something creative and innovative, that they have the support that they need to be able to go and patent it themselves as well. And Coupa has been really supportive of that. Have they? Yeah, very, very much so. Um, with an entire team that supports anyone at the company that has an idea that would like to go into a patent process. Mm-hmm. But we have a process for doing that. We review you know, the ideas and we support the team and, and give them also input into what would make their patent case stronger. Um, some Amazing. of my colleagues are leading those efforts now and, and just doing phenomenal on supporting the team. That's amazing. I wish I had that. So I have one patent. It's not a software patent. Um, It's actually a product patent. And I wish I had that kind of support (laughs) when I was looking to patent. It took me three years to do it. I finally got it just a couple of months ago. Super, super proud of it. Yes. Yeah. And congratulations to you on 12. I mean, I've been (laughs) through it once, but 12 is a whole nother level. It's very, very, very difficult, as you know. Congratulations, by the way. I'm super, so proud of you. I mean, that's incredible. And my sisters know as well on the product side, I'm constantly texting them and saying, hey, what about this idea? Would you buy this? (laughs) So maybe one day I'll add a product one to my profile. Awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait. So um, I want to sort of shift gears into what your your experiences have been like in the industry as a woman. Right. So you you studied at the uh, within IOT. You worked in big name tech brands. Was it difficult to be seen and heard in those environments? Did you have to find your voice early on? How did you find your voice? A lot of questions there, but really just around your experience and uh, sharing that with us. Sure. Um, Well, I've been very lucky, I would say. Um, The people that I've worked with um, through the years, whether it was at Accenture or IBM or um, smaller organizations, I've been able to um, share my thoughts and be supportive in a way that I would like to emulate and be able to do this for other women. Because I know working with my friends 
and colleagues, they have not had those experiences by and large. So my learning through the process is a recognition that what I went through is not very typical. And I'm not sure why that is. I don't know if it was luck or what it might be, but I was supported throughout um, my career of just having really good managers of of people. And even, again, managers that I still get along with and that I still network with 20 years later, where it's just people in my life that we built relationships and we continue to um, just have those relationships of support. But again, the learning, what's really critical is the learning that not everyone has had that. And so one of the um, things I try to do is make sure that people have a voice. Uh, One thing I read is there was an article I read. It was in the Obama administration. And some of the women in the administration had mentioned that they would be in a meeting and someone would say, a woman would say something. And then two minutes later, a man would say it and people would acknowledge the man. So the woman in the room got together and they basically created a model of echoing where if one woman would say it, another woman would step up and say, Oh, Sarah, that was a great idea. Right. Giving that echo and recognition. And it was really effective. So I've tried to do some things like that in my own life, where if I see a woman having an idea or another um, ethnicity that needs support, I'll echo it in that meeting and I'll encourage that type of echoing. And in addition, you know, sometimes people may not be comfortable in those types of settings. So making sure you're reaching out to people afterwards or slacking them and saying, hey, I didn't hear you um, speak. I know you might not be comfortable in those settings, anything you want to talk about. So just recognizing that sometimes people's voices may not be heard in that meeting, but it's important as a leader to listen. I just got goosebumps because I don't know if you know this, but I have the Blended podcast as well. And I bring five different people from different walks of life to talk about diversity and inclusion. And that's exactly what I do. I create a safe space for everybody's voices to be heard, no matter what that looks like, no matter what the perspective. And by the end of the conversation, they're like, thank you so much because I feel heard today. And I'm sure that, you know, the people around you from you leading from that perspective are, are thinking the exact same thing. And I really like the fact that you gave us an example because I think we can only lead by example. And if we can share examples like that echo example. That is one very, very, very small thing that each one of us can bring to a boardroom table and start slowly elevating those voices. And so I think that that's, that, that just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy to hear you do the blended series. I think it is really important. And again, just a recognition that everyone's idea of being heard might be different. And some people just are simply not comfortable with sharing a voice publicly. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. I mean, that's why blended is audio only, um, Mm -hmm. and not video, because video deters a lot of things or people change. And I didn't want that. I just wanted authenticity across the board. So thank you so much for bringing that up and pointing that out. Um, Did you have a mentor? Was there somebody that inspired you or opened a door for you along the way? What did that look like? You know, I think um, I've had mentors throughout my career, absolutely. 
Um, at Coupa, I would say the people that have really mentored me through the years are our CEO, Rob Bernstein, and Raja Hamoud, our EVP of product. Um, both of these people, I always feel like every meeting I go to is like a master's class in that meeting. Yeah, There's something nice. to be learned. And I think what's really important from mentorship is this notion of just watching, observing, listening, and constantly saying every moment is an opportunity to learn something if you yeah. sit there and listen. Absolutely. And so what does the future hold for Donna? What does that look like? I mean, we talked about having a product patent, so there's one thing. But what <laughs> else is in store for, for us to watch and, and see your journey? Sure. I, you know, I think there's so much still to be done in the space at Coupa of business spend management. It's really, for me, creating a new frontier, a new industry of software, a new class of software that brings together the supply chain teams, the procurement teams, the sourcing teams, as well as the finance teams and the risk teams and the diversity teams and the sustainability teams. Yep. So many of these groups are just completely siloed today. And they're working on very strategic initiatives, but they're not speaking together and they're not working together. And the technology itself is not supporting their shared needs and shared goals. And we have a real opportunity to bring these teams together in a similar way of how Salesforce brought together sales and marketing and customer experiences all in one product line. And we're yeah. trying to do that equivalent in business spend management. So there's so much more to come. When I look at um, our rate of feature development, we develop about 350 features on an annual basis. Wow. So <laughs> in five years, this, this thing is, is going to be radically different. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and I always say collaboration is the future of business. And so you are, you know, music to my ears, because I've always said that each one of those departments, and we can't be siloed anymore, we all need to come together for that future success. And so what would you say to leaders or women or girls that would follow in your footsteps? What advice would you give them? Find someone that you can connect connect with that'll support you on your journey. You can't do it alone. Like you just said, you really need some, um, you, need, you need a village to support you, but it starts with one. Find that one person in that meeting or um, someone that you admire. Maybe, maybe you don't even know them, but find your strength to be brave, to be able to send an email or send a LinkedIn message or Twitter. Just connect with someone that could help you on your journey. But it's, it's incredibly um, important to find these people. And when you find the people, continue to work with them and stay connected with them. Um, life is really a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. So the more you can build the relationships with people and just continue to find additional people in your life, but then also importantly, when you reach a, a appropriate time, do the same for other people. Be there for other people in the same way they've been there for you, I, I think is a really important, that, that'd be my advice to um, whether you're starting out or you're, if you're a leader. 
Amazing. Amazing. Pay it forward. And even like comment on their LinkedIn post. I mean, it doesn't even have to be necessarily a LinkedIn message. Just get on their radar and start small until you feel comfortable. Well, you have certainly inspired me. I just love hearing the stories of smart, innovative women absolutely shining in a male-dominated world. Not only have you been a really impressive leader and collaborator, inspiring others to success, you're also an innovator and inventor in your own right. And that is the ultimate combination of attributes right there. I just can't wait to see what you develop next. Thank you so much, Donna, and the team around you for making this episode happen and for joining me on our Woman in Supply Chain series. Thank you so much, Sarah. It has been awesome. I'm going to go look up your patent right now and check it out. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you would like to hear more from us here at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and the brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest. And let me tell you, if you have a supply chain challenge that you're currently going through right now and you're looking for solutions... The best place to do that is on our podcast page because more than likely we have had that solution to your challenge on our show. So go ahead and use that category filter to find the uh, companies that are out there that can help you. And remember to come back next week and I'll be talking to Julian from Logics Board all about what they are doing to totally disrupt the freight forwarding industry and the customs broker industry with a really big focus on customer experience, which I love bringing everything together around that customer experience. It's how they do business. It's how they do business with their customers. And it's how they want their customers to think about logistics. You don't want to miss that one. So stay tuned. If you enjoy our podcast, there are a few ways to support the show. You can follow us, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're also on Clubhouse and TikTok. You you can subscribe to our YouTube show over at Let's Talk Supply Chain, or you can also subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, comment on our question of the week, or you can go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.